Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. So I want to preach a message. I know we're in this series called Why Not Right Now. If you're first time hanging out with us, go back to our podcast, listen to last week. Last week, we talked about the idea of why not right now when it comes to not just, oftentimes that statement, we can look at it as like, okay, God, why not right now that you pour it out, that you do something? And the Lord just really um, put it on my heart last week that the first step was why not right now that you and I deny ourselves, pick up our cross, that we carry it, that we realize that this life of faith is not about us, it's about him. And so last week was very much what you and I are called to do if we're gonna follow Jesus. Um, But today I do wanna talk about um, breakthrough. I guess one thing could be the recipe of breakthrough. Looks like the projector's freaking out. Don't worry, it's just mobile church life. Um, The word still works, okay? Um, But the recipe of breakthrough, if you will. And I I was just thinking about seasons. Last week we talked about salt seasoning. Um, My eyes burned for several hours because I touched so much salt and I kept rubbing my eyes. But um, I want to I want you to think about the season that you're in or seasons of challenge that you've had. And I want you to think about the fact of when was the last time you had breakthrough in a difficult season? Or if you just, if you look back at your life, are you just a person who's figured out how to just maintain the misery of your seasons? Some of you, I don't know what your occupation is, but as, as humans and as people who are made by God and for God, but we don't want to deny ourselves, we don't want to give up the control because for whatever reason, we've, got, we, we've grown ignorant enough to think that we can handle it. Some of us would be incredible maintenance men and women. <laughs> I don't know what your occupation is, but you'd be amazing because we're really good at maintenancing our misery. We're really good at putting Band-Aids on our struggles We're really good at distracting ourselves from our very own addictions. And I want you to know that God's desire is that you would have breakthrough in seasons of challenge and opportunity. Something happened in the Western church for so long here in America that to follow Jesus meant to show up to church and show the best and hide the rest and to make sure your family looked perfect. And what we did is we created this incubator of religion and we incubated broken people to a point where finally when kids were old enough to graduate, the things that mom and dad said don't do, now you've got whole families just going out and getting drunk together all the time. What did we actually do? We incubated no freedom. This is what we've done. I'm not saying it's comfortable to hear it, but we don't get any freedom until we recognize what we've done in our culture that is anti-Christ. And that is just not God's heart for the church. The church is God's idea. The church is Jesus's bride. It's not a good look for the bride to be anti the groom, okay? Weddings don't go over well that way. I don't know if you've officiated any, but I have. Luckily, no one's left the altar. I have had a father look at me during the rehearsal when I was like, at this time, I'll ask who gives this woman. And he was like, no. I was like, sir, you're going to have to get this figured out for tomorrow. (laughs) I ain't got that in my notes, and this is going to get real awkward. But the next day, he came up and gave me a check for $1,000 and said, thanks. I was like, you can tell me no all you want. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if he felt bad. His wife did come over to the rehearsal dinner and said, I'll talk to him. I said, that was a good talk. I don't know what she... 
It's awesome. But we're really good at just maintaining seasons of being miserable. And a lot of times it's because you struggle to believe that God sees you as worth bringing breakthrough through. That's the beauty about breaking out in seasons of challenge and opportunity. It's not just about you. You might be like, I'm just not worthy. I don't feel like I'm worthy to, to experience breakthrough. But you need to know that God's perspective is even more than just you. The breakthrough through you is a breakthrough to someone else. And so this is God's heart for breakthrough. I'll give you kind of two definitions for breakthrough. The first one is this. Breakthrough can be a sudden or dramatic discovery or transformation. We, we see it often in scripture where the Lord would, would heal someone and I mean, it would be sudden. I mean, it would just happen right in that moment. I mean, he would tell lame people to get up. He would open up blind eyes. He would open up deaf ears. He would just raise dead people. Lazarus, come out. Like there were moments for just dramatic, sudden breakthrough. But did you know that Jesus also, Jesus, by the way, I'm talking about Jesus, like the Jesus, like the one who, yes, raised the dead in one word. Do you know there was also moments where Jesus prayed for someone and they didn't get completely healed the first time? There's actually a blind man he prayed for one time and he prayed and Jesus said, what do you see? And the blind man said, well, I see trees, or people, but they look like trees. It's really fuzzy. I just see like these, these images. And the Bible says Jesus prays again. I don't know about you, but if you're needing breakthrough and you feel like, well, I prayed one time and it didn't work, if Jesus prayed again, you're going to need to pray again, okay? We, we, we have to see the way that Jesus did things, and we have to see it in fullness, and then our job is to know there are moments when breakthrough is just this sudden, dramatic transformation. But then there's also breakthrough where something happens when you experience breakthrough and transformation happens over time, according to Romans chapter 12, by the renewing of your mind. See, some of you, um, and like myself, I don't know how you were raised, but potentially based upon how you were raised and things that you saw, you built patterns. I'll never forget hearing um, this Christian neurologist speak one time, and she said, what many people don't know is we all have neuropathways that we can build as we do things repetitively over time. Right, this is why they, you can read studies that say it takes 21 days to create a habit. What you're doing is you're building a neuro pathway. And you're actually, imagine if we got any um, hikers or hunters or someone who loves to go out in the woods and you're like, I'm gonna charge a new trail. Maybe you got a piece of property and you're like, man, I'd like a path through here. You're gonna go out one day, you're gonna take a machete and you're gonna start chopping away to create a pathway. And, and you'll be able to do that you know, pretty well. You, you, when you're done, you're gonna be able to see, man, there's a way to walk here. But if you chose after creating that path in those woods to never walk down that path again for the next year, I promise you when you come back around, when you come back around to that Christmas service that you hit once a year, God, get right with God. Why do I feel like I'm always starting over? Because things are growing. Because you're not consistently moving through what was broken through. Because if you create a path and people start hiking that trail, it will get to a point over years where no growth can happen. It will literally turn into dirt and the grass will literally just go, we can't grow there. And there are things that you and I want when it comes to breakthrough. And we're like, God, why not right now? Come on. He's like, well, I'd like to do it now. And I've actually done it now for you before. But you were unable to do it again. You were unable to stay faithful in seasons of difficulty and trial. And so I want you to know when it comes to breakthrough, God has a part that you cannot do. 
But there is a part that you and I have that God cannot do. And he will not force us to do. And so there's breakthrough that's sudden, and there's breakthrough that has consistency. Write this down if you're taking notes today. By the way, if you're not taking notes, I really believe note takers are history makers. And so um, some of the notes that you're taking right now, they're not for right now. They're for a future version of you. You're going to need it in 12 years from now. Look at somebody and say, you better write that down. Write this statement down. Breakthrough. Okay, listen. There's all, the co- all the college students, the high school students, like, yeah, I'm going to tell somebody what to do. Be quiet. Okay, listen. Write this down. Breakthrough is faith that consistently rises to the challenge. Breakthrough is faith that consistently rises to the challenge. I'm telling you, the, the Spirit of God spoke to me the other day. I was hanging out with a new friend at a coffee shop last week. We were talking about different um, seasons of life, and he was sharing with me some struggles and addictions he had walked through. And one of the things the Lord just dropped in my heart, <clears throat> I wasn't even going to share this today, but I just hear the, the Spirit of God saying it for someone. When it comes to following the Lord, it requires consistency. There is a consistency and a faithfulness, and I'm not saying you're going to do it perfectly, but it is. It, we are to consistently pursue God and pursue righteousness. And the Lord just dropped a revelation in me that, that was so, it was, it was literally, I, I was sitting there chewing on it in the middle of this conversation going, God, this changes everything on this thought. And here's what it was. You know, let's just use any kind of addiction. So I'm not calling you out, but l- let's just say, you know, it's, it's drinking and getting drunk, right? Um, the Bible's very clear, getting drunk's a sin. And so let's say alcoholism's like the thing. And, and again, there's no shame here. The gospel's not shame on you. It's shame off of you, right? And so the Lord can free you and, and set you free. And if you're honest with yourself, you're probably just masking things anyways. And God loves you too much to let you just dampen all of that. He wants to see your fullness come out. But you don't get to just drink one time and stay drunk. It don't work that way, Right? There's a moment where you're like, okay, like I feel like the, 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 the pressures are off and I'm feeling a little bit better, but you're going to have to go back at some point if you want that again. And what ends up happening is when we live in addictions in the flesh for so long, the flesh teaches us that your consistency doesn't work. I, I'm taking you somewhere. Listen, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit dropped this and it, I've, I've all week just, I can't stop thinking about this. Our flesh and our struggles teach us that consistency doesn't work. So when you choose the Lord and the Lord doesn't do all the work for you and you say yes and you have a a good moment in the presence of God, but on Sunday, but then Thursday sucks and it's difficult, the flesh and what happened there and the proof of the flesh not satisfying, we take that thought process, we move it over to the things of the spirit and we believe that the spirit also can't satisfy. That I, it's not gonna be worth being consistent over here because when I was consistently running to that, it didn't work. And then what ends up happening is you have tons of people who are like, I believe God, I love God. And they live broken and bound and no freedom and no breakthrough. Because the season of the flesh and the reality of the consistency not bringing satisfaction, we carry that over into the things of the spirit. And we're not willing to wake up every day and devour the word of God. We're not willing to pray when we don't feel it. We're not willing to lift our hands in a worship service when I'm not feeling the goosebumps. No, I'm telling you, you're gonna have to get some grit about you along with the grace of God, and you're gonna have to press in. Look, if you've ever met someone who thought Christians were weak, they've never tried being one for a single week. 
You wanna talk about grit? You wanna talk about strength? You wanna talk about people when everything in your life's falling apart and someone walks up to you and they're broken and they're miserable and you have to take the faith to set your situation aside because God's calling you to minister to someone in a moment? That is what faith looks like. And it's not easy, but it is satisfying when you consistently begin to walk in it. But here's where some of you are when it comes to breakthrough. You believe being in need of a breakthrough is a burden. You feel like a burden. You feel like a burden to God. You feel like a burden to other people. There are things that you've dealt with. Some of you have gone to counseling. You've all done all different kinds of things. You've worked really hard. You've tried. You've put the passcodes on the phone. The website's being monitored. You deleted the number of the person you used to purchase that stuff from. Look, we going somewhere. Now I'm telling you, the Lord gave me visions of what's gonna happen at the altar this morning. I'm just letting you know, we going somewhere. But you believe because something didn't happen immediately, God didn't do it. Now every time you bring that up or you talk to someone, you believe you're a burden. Can I tell you one of the biggest lies that the enemy has given when it comes to specifically ministry? Do you know how many times people come up to Shauna and I and like, I was really going through something that I didn't wanna reach out because I know you guys are busy. The enemy wants to lie to you about the pace of my life, and it's not your responsibility to take care of the pace of my life. If you're in need, go find someone and share that you're in need. You're not a burden. You're not a burden to us. You're not a burden to the church. You're not a burden to real friends, and you're not a burden to God. God desires breakthrough for your life. God loves blessing us. He loves blessing you more than you love blessing us others. But you know what God loves even more than blessing us? He loves to watch us walk in consistent obedience. Did you know that consistent obedience is what I would call the blessing of breakthrough? You experience the actual blessing of breakthrough when there's consistent obedience. But here's here's where the burden actually exists. Do you want to know what the burden actually is? You're not a burden to God and you're not a burden to the people of God if you need a breakthrough. You're not a burden. When a young girl walked up and gave me a razor blade a few Sundays ago and said, I've kept this at my bedside. I struggled for many years and I've just kept it there. I've been walking in freedom with Jesus, but I've left it there just in case. And she gave it to me and she said, the Lord told me I I can't have this anymore. And she put it in my hand. It had a $1 price tag on it. (laughs) I I said, girl, Jesus paid a much higher price for you than that. And he took all the cuts on his body for you. That's what breakthrough looks like when she didn't feel like a burden. That wasn't a burden. I took pictures, sent it to our team. I was like, this is the gospel. This is church. This is breakthrough. Only God. Only God. The real burden is this. The burden is when you think you don't need a breakthrough or you aren't willing to sacrifice and consistently walk in what it takes to receive one. That's the burden. You stay in your misery. And I want you to know today, there is a God of love who desires for you to have breakthrough. First Peter 1, 10 through 12. First Peter 1, 10 through 12. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's sufferings and his great glory afterward. This is specifically that verse 11 about the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah never got to see Jesus, but he prophesied about Jesus. And so he's literally saying that the prophets wondered when this was gonna happen. Now look at verse 12. They were told, 
told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Is anybody thankful that there were messages spoke long, long ago that the people who spoke them didn't get to even partake in them, but they were for us, and we get to partake in Christ and his freedom and his grace and the richness of salvation. We get that. You live on the greatest side of history, on the other side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Verse 12, it says, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Have you ever thought that angels were like superior and, and, and above you? And oh, what would happen? Did you know that we just read a scripture in the Bible that says there are angels on the edge of heaven looking at you because angels will never get to experience breakthrough? They don't know what it's like. They don't get the spirit of God in them. Angels only get the spirit of God around them. You can have the spirit of God in you. Angels literally look down from the edge of heaven and say, I wonder what it's like to get the spirit of God, this spirit that we see, this presence that we experience. What would it be like to have it on the inside and to break through that darkness, to break through that depression? The Bible says they eagerly watch these things happen. Question is, for the breakthrough that you're in need of? If the angels were peering down, is Gabriel going, look at this, look at this freedom? Or is it a conversation of like, man, they're missing it. They have no idea what they could have. I don't know about you, but I know what conversation I want to be had in heaven about my life here. And I want it to be some angels saying, look at that. Can you believe that kind of freedom? Can you believe that kind of authenticity to say, to stand up in front of hundreds of people all the time and say, I don't get it all right and I'm struggling and there's moments when I wanna give up in following Jesus, but he's just too faithful, he's just too good and I've realized that I don't have to fake being good to experience the goodness of God. I don't have to fake that. I'm in need of breakthroughs. Often, I've just learned the recipe so it doesn't take as long for one to be cooked up. I've figured out the things that I can jump into consistently. The way that I can begin to trust God and love people. The way that I can bridle my tongue and the things that I used to say, I don't have to say. Because breakthrough, heaven is watching it happen. And I wanted you to know today that if you're in need of a breakthrough, you're in good company. Because if you look at the life of Jesus and all throughout the gospel, God never found people. God never chose or used a single person in all of scripture that wasn't first in need of a breakthrough. He never went and found perfect people. Even Job, who was considered righteous in the eyes of God, guess what? Because of the righteousness and the goodness that God found in Job, Job's life got real bad. <laughs> Why? Because God is looking not for people who can live easy. He's looking for people who can have faith no matter the season or situation so that he can point to a world that is broken. Look, People can choose Jesus or not choose Jesus. You do your thing. All I know is, I'll explain it this way. Everybody's in this ocean and everybody's treading for water. You either get a life preserver or not, you pick. Bro, if we all gonna be in this boat, or out of this boat, if we all gonna be in this water, I'm gonna take something to hang on to, it's Jesus. I'm not about to sit around prideful and arrogant going, I got this, I, got, I don't need nobody, I don't need no faith, I don't need religion. You're right, you don't need religion, you need Jesus. You need somebody to hang on to. 
go ahead and get in water and start drowning and try to hang on to yourself and see how well that works. That don't work. We need him. And this is what Jesus did. He was always setting people up for recognizing their need for him. Now, there's one important factor for you today to understand about breakthrough. Breakthrough takes belief. Breakthrough takes faith. You can write this down. Faith has to be present for breakthrough to happen. Faith has to be present. Now, we've got scriptures where people got breakthrough and they had no faith, but their friends had faith. We've got scriptures. There's actually a guy in the Bible um, because Jesus says anything is possible for those that believe. There's a father whose son was demon-possessed and he was throwing himself, he was having seizures and he was throwing himself in the fire. And the disciples tried to pray for him and they, they couldn't heal him. And they didn't know what was going on. And then Jesus addressed it. And the man came up to Jesus and he said this. Just mind you, it's just not good words to say to Jesus, okay? He says, um, Lord, if you can, will you heal my son? And Jesus responds in verse 23 of Mark 9. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> I could just see Jesus say, hold on, hold on. What do you mean if I can? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I can do whatever I want. The book of Psalms actually declares this about God. He's the God of the heavens and he does what he pleases. So Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can? And then Jesus asked, uh, if I can, Jesus asked. And then Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. Can, can I just share with you something about breakthrough? There are so many people in faith that struggle with real breakthrough because you think breakthrough is proven to others by your behavior. I need you to know that your breakthrough will inspire other people, but your breakthrough is not first for other people. And so you don't get breakthrough by behavior modification. What has happened in the Western church is we've told people to do better, act better, live better, but we've never taught them how to believe better. See, belief dictates behavior. I don't behave first, behave like a good Christian and then believe in Jesus. No, I believe in Jesus all jacked up, all addicted, all messed up, all gross, all the stuff that, I, that I'm ashamed of. I believe in Jesus with all of that. And then as I believe, the behavior begins to change because I first come to him because it is he that does the work, not me, not me. And so I want you to know that anything is possible for those that believe, but breakthrough takes faith. It takes belief. You're gonna have to believe. But here's what happens in that scripture. Jesus says is anything, uh, anything is possible for the, if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. There's some of you in the room today, like, I believe in God. I, I, I believe that God loves me, but I am battling here. I am struggling here. I am hiding this. And I want you to know, God is not offended for you to tell him that you believe and then right in the same breath say, God, help my unbelief. Because God, I do believe, but God, there's some areas where I don't believe. God, there's some areas where I doubt. God's not offended by the doubt, but let him know. Let him know. Tell him. Make the faith decision to say, God, I believe but I also got some unbelief. God can work with it way better than you think he can. He desires to. And here's the thing about believing is we have to believe the best. We have to believe the best and we have to remember where our belief goes. And I always wanna be very clear in this church about this. 
The belief and the faith is in Jesus, okay? It's in Jesus. Please hear me today, church. It is in Jesus. It's not in a human. Even if they've got the title of pastor or leader, it's not in a church. Even if that church preaches Jesus, your faith and your belief is in Jesus. People do this all the time. There are people who will walk out of this church say, I'm never coming back because I didn't like something that he said. I'm going to say something you're not going to like because I'm human. But if you're expecting me to be God for you, you're going to be majorly disappointed. And we have thousands of so-called Christians expecting preachers and churches to be God for them, and that won't cut it. Jesus says there will be people who will stand before me in heaven and he will say, depart from me, you worker of wickedness, for I never knew you. Not because like, well, church didn't see you serve too much. Do you believe in Jesus? Bro, I could care less how often you come to this place, what church you go to, if you serve, all of those things, I just know are gonna help you grow to become more like Christ. What I'm concerned with, do you believe in Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through Jesus. Look at someone and say, it's Jesus. All right, now I have like four minutes to preach this passage in John chapter five. I want to read you this passage really quick. I'm going to read it fast. Are you ready? John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. If you listen to this on the podcast in like two times speed, it's going to be real fast. Okay? One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Everyone say 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, church, Jesus is asking you a question today. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked the man the question, do you want to get well? I can't, sir. Unbelief. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Church, it's no one else's fault that you're not experiencing breakthrough. Don't do this. You've got Jesus asking you if you want to get well. It's no one else's fault. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Who sounds like church people. Verse eight, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, everyone say instantly. The man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began to walk. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. Like, bro, this sleeping mat done carried me for 38 years. I'll walk around joyfully carrying this joker. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. Or, sorry, verse 11. But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. Verse 13, the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, the pool of Bethesda, I need you to know this, the word Bethesda means house of mercy or flowing water. House of mercy or flowing water. Um, guys, did I give you that picture 
or did I not? I didn't. That's all good. My fault. Um, there's, a, there's a picture, um, and you can look up what the Pool of Bethesda would have looked like, but it would have had these porches and these columns and a covering, and then the, the waters would have not been covered, and, and sick people would have lined all over. And what was believed that, is that an angel would come down seasonally every so often and would stir the waters. And if the waters were stirred, then whoever could get into the waters first would be healed. And there's a lot of theological conversation on this, but either way, what we do know is that this man of 38 years believed it, and he was trying to get in the water, but he was paralyzed. And for 38 years, he got skipped. I don't know if you've ever been skipped in line at Starbucks, but this man got skipped in line for 38 years, y'all. Okay? I mean, this, this guy probably had a hard heart. A um, little, little frustrated when the eyes of Jesus show up. Like, do you want to get well? I can't. Everybody gets in front of me. It's everybody else's fault. Right? Now, what's interesting is the Bible says he shows up on one of the Jewish holidays, and I wish I had more time to preach this message in full, but it's actually believed by most theologians that he showed up on, um, Pastor Ron, I don't know if I'm going to try to say it right, Shavuot, maybe, halfway, anyways, which would have been Pentecost. Find it very interesting that it's believed Jesus would have walked into the city on Pentecost, because it is the very time that, I don't know if you've caught it yet, have you caught it yet? The man was trying to get in water, but Jesus carries living water, and he's trying to get living water in him. Oh, you didn't catch that yet. See, the man was trying to get in a body of water, but Jesus walked up and said, don't worry about it. I got living water. I'll put it in you. See, Jesus, it says he also, in that very scripture, says he walks through the sheep gate because he's the lamb of God. So the, the lamb of God walks through the sheep gate on Pentecost, the, the, the festival of harvest, which Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the worker, there's a lot going on here. Jesus knows what he's doing. He doesn't do anything on it. You're in this room on purpose. He knows what he's doing. He's not afraid of your addiction. He's ready for breakthrough. And what I love is, is that Jesus breaks in before you break through. And so Jesus steps in and asks him, do you want to get well? I've got healing waters. You don't even need to worry about this. Three things I want you to write down. Number one is you need breakthrough in the area of sin. The breakthrough in the area of sin and struggle. Write that down, sin and struggle. Breakthrough in the area of sin and struggle. Here's why I say this to you, because first off, um, in the church, we have done a really, there are people, and I want to be very clear, and I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm take the longest time of the rest of this message right here, okay? I have to. Because there is this incessant desire for prideful Christians to point out the sins of everyone else. And I want you to notice Jesus' strategy in this healing. Did he address this man's sin in this scripture, yes or no? Yes, he did. He addressed the sin in this scripture. When, before or after he healed him? After. I need you to recognize that. He addresses the sin after. Now, does Jesus always address sin after? No, when he healed the man who was lowered through the roof, he addressed his sin first, and then he healed the man. Here's, here's why I'm saying this, is because we have done something in the church where we have, we wanna point out everyone's sin, we wanna make sure everybody knows on Facebook what all the sins are and all of that, and guess what? The Bible's very clear about sin. I could read you right now Galatians chapter five, okay? Galatians chapter five, it tells us, 
Um, starting in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, their results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's clear. But it's not clear that we always point out sins before people get healed. It's not clear because there are times Jesus did and times Jesus didn't. There's times where he healed and then addressed sin, just like this man. Then there are times he addressed sin and he healed. What does this tell us? It tells us that you will not be an effective Christian without listening to the Holy Spirit. We've got people who love God bound and broken because the church didn't know how to listen to the Holy Spirit and said, that's sin, your sin, it's your sin. Instead of, being like Jesus, and maybe it's just a moment be like, hey, I love you. I believe that God wants to make you well. Do you wanna get well? I know there's some stuff going on. Jesus will address it. He'll make you so free, but do you wanna get well? Because we don't know how to listen to the Holy Spirit for the situation at hand. We have to do this. Church, we have to do this. Because there are people who won't walk into church buildings, maybe a middle school cafeteria, and it's because they feel that people are judging them. But Jesus always, the, compa- the, 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 um, the emotion that Jesus had on crowds more than any other in the gospel is compassion. You see it over and over. He had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. This is the heart of Jesus. And I want you to know, we see it multiple places. Jesus addresses things where sometimes sin and then brings healing, sometimes healing and then addresses sin. Now, I wanna be very clear today because Jesus did find this man at the end here and he did say, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I want to uh, crush the notion that if you are battling something, it's just because you sin. There are, this is why I called breakthrough through sin and struggles. There are some things that some of you are walking through because of the trauma and the things you saw as a child. It could eventually become a sin, but some of us are just walking through struggle because all we saw were patterns that brought no life. And so it's, it's bent us to go that way. So I wanna be very clear today that if you're struggling, if you're sick, that doesn't mean that like, oh, you've just got a sin that you need to confess. It's not every time like that. Is everyone clear? Everybody understand what I'm saying? There will be circles of Christianity that will say, well, you're sick because you've got sin. No, no, no. Sickness comes from sin, but there are people who are living pure and love the Lord, and that doesn't mean that they're hiding some sin. Okay, I wanna be very clear here. Can it happen? Yes. Does it always happen? No, no. There's even a scripture where a man's born blind, and they actually ask Jesus, whose sin is on this man, him or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus says, neither. He says, no one's sin is on this man. He's like this for the glory of God to be revealed. So I wanna be very clear today that we need breakthrough um, through sin, but some of us need breakthrough through the struggle of the ways and the patterns in which you think that were not God's desire. Some of you were raised in, in situations and homes that were not okay. And you maybe even found yourself blaming God for it. I want you to know it breaks the heart of God as much as it breaks yours. But we live in a broken, sinful world. And so, but here's the other interesting thing about sin. I want to be very clear because we need breakthrough in sin. Um, What happens is for you and I, oftentimes when it comes to, to freedom in Christ, we think sin is not doing all the bad things. And I would just let you know that while there are clear sins, we just read in Galatians 5, did you know that there's something that could be sin for me and not sin for you? This is when it gets dicey because we, this religion likes religion. 
Religion likes, no, it's black and white, it's clear, there's no gray areas, it's this or that. But that's not what we see. I mean, look at, look at James 4, 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So meaning that there could be something specific that the Lord asks you to do. Hey, don't pass that person until you pray for them. Oh God, that makes me really feel really awkward in public because I can't do it. Another Christian could walk by and be like, I didn't sin, God didn't tell me. When you have a personal relationship with God, it is not just about not doing a bunch of things. Please know Christianity is I can't do this and I can't do that. Christianity is I don't have to live that way, but there are some things that he's gonna call me to do. And the Bible clearly says it is sin if I know the right thing to do and I fail to do it. So sin is not just doing wrong, it's missing right. So here this man is, my eight-year-old let me borrow a gymnastics mat. Here this man is on his mat, right? He's on his mat. 38 years. I was trying to think 38 years. I mean, maybe he can like roll, you know? And then like he sees the angel coming. He's like, you know, trying to get there. Like, I mean, there's a lot of years of a lot of strategy this man has thought through, okay? I mean, just, look, you got to see this. This is someone's real life, right? It's not a fictitious story. This is historical reality that this happened, all right? 38 years. Guys, I just want to get in that water. Got people walking past you all the time, right? Like, you just used your muscular legs to walk your little sniffly self into that water. I can't walk. I've been like this for 15 years. Are you kidding me? Keep your runny nose and go. Like, I need you to think about this. And Jesus walks up and says, do you want to get well? Isn't it interesting? Because we, we know from the scripture we just read, he didn't know it was Jesus at first, correct? Everybody, all the Bible theologians with me here? He didn't know it was Jesus. But the question wasn't, do you know who I am and that I can heal you? The question was very simple. Do you want to get well? I mean, I would assume by the fact that he's by the water that the answer would be yes. And isn't it crazy that after 38 years of being in need of breakthrough, he didn't answer yes. He answered, I can't. There are some of you who don't believe that you can have the breakthrough, but it's because you don't know who's asking you if you want to get well. He's got love in his eyes. He's the creator God. He can set you free. And so here he is laying there and he says, I can't. And Jesus tells him very clearly, he says, no, you pick up your mat and you walk. And so that's what he does. The man gets up. I mean, I can only imagine this scene, right? Which in this scene, the Bible says that Jesus slips away and hides. So, I mean, Jesus is like, hey, just, just pick up your mat and walk. I mean, Jesus just dips. And so now you got people waiting. Maybe I, it doesn't say in the scriptures that the waters have been stirred currently. So other people are waiting. And then here this guy is, didn't get in the water, but gets healing. And so he's standing up, right? Probably like strength coming to his legs. He, he starts rolling up his mat. This one's a folded one. And, and he grabs his mat. And the first thing religious people say, <laughs> can you believe this? 
The religious leaders know this man. He's been there for 38 years. It's not like, oh, hey, buddy, you're new here? No, they know this man. They probably know his hard heart, know his judgment towards other people getting in. Very possible that the religious leaders are like, ah, let's forget him. And the first thing that a religious leader says is not praise God. These are people who believe in God, by the way. Yahweh, the God we serve. They don't say praise God, amazing. They ask him, what are you doing carrying that mat? It's the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. Religion doesn't want you to have a breakthrough. And when you do, it'll try to break you down so that you don't live in what they're not willing to accept. But this man holds it. He says, the man who healed me told me to pick it up and carry it. So I'm carrying it. I thought about the mat, and I've preached a a sermon about a mat before. The boy lowered through the roof. Jesus actually tells him the same thing, pick up your mat. We find it often in the Gospels. Jesus is pretty, if he heals a lame person and they have a mat, um, every time we see it, he always tells them to pick up their mat and carry it, every time. I'm gonna be honest, this thing, if I'm paralyzed and I've been laying on for 38 years, it's like a little yucky. You just put all, put, connect whatever dots you wanna connect, okay? Things are probably pretty gross. Jesus says, pick it up. I thought about the mat like this. You guys can put that up there. The mat, for me, as, as I'm processing, y'all got it? Do you guys have that? Do you guys have my slide? Oh, they talking. Look, I love y'all. Like in like that one moment of service, right? I thought about this with the mat. It's your misery and your mistakes. It's your addictions and your anxieties. It's your trials and it's your troubles. I know that all of those things are the things that we don't want anybody to know about. Whew, I got healed. Nobody's seeing that, right? And just go on with life. But Jesus says, pick it up. Because see, you used to lay in your misery and mistakes. You used to lay down in your addictions and anxiety. You used to lay down in your trials and troubles. But the Lord, by his power and breakthrough, he's saying, hey, what used to carry you, you now carry it. You're not ashamed of it. When you walk up to someone else laying on a mat, you can bend down and say, hey, I have one too. I used to be just like you. But if God did it for me, why not right now? He can do it for you. There's been other people who've battled alcoholism and they're free. There's been other people marriages that were on the brink of just divorce and they're back together. If God did it for one, he can do it for another. There are other people who have struggled with, with sexual sins and desires and God has healed them and purified them. If he can do it for one, he can do it for another. You're not an exception. He sees you. He loves you. He's for you. And some of you are so scared for people to know about these things in your life. And the Lord says when you experience breakthrough, this is what happens. The breakthrough happened because what tried to break you didn't work. The breakthrough happened because what tried to break you didn't work because Jesus stepped in and said, do you want to get well? 
In other words, I know there's some believers in the room. You've been saved, healed, delivered. You love God, and guess what? You're still scared for people to know about some of your past mistakes. Parents, there are some of you, your kids are becoming teenagers, and you're scared for them to find out some of the stories that you used to have. I'm telling you right now, don't you dare be scared of your testimony. Your mat matters. You need to pick up your mat and walk and let people hear that these are the things that used to have you, but you've got them now. You've got them now. Stand up all over the room. I believe for the next few moments, the God of breakthrough wants to show up. The Lord was speaking to me and showing me. There's some people even that are battling addiction to pornography, and the Lord says, you're going to come to the altar. I don't know how you're going to figure it out, but I met a man just at our church not long ago who pulled himself out a flip phone. He said, bro, I ain't doing it anymore. I want freedom. I don't know if you need to lay a phone at the altar. I don't know if a couple needs to come up here and say, divorce is not the way. We're not doing it. God, we need breakthrough. I I don't know if you need to lay some razor blades at the altar. I don't know if you've got a vape that you need. I, I saw someone lay a vape up here a little while ago. Maybe some of you, you just need to peel that privacy screen off your phone because you've been trying to hide stuff because you don't want people seeing stuff that you're looking at. Guess what? You can be free. Do you know the freest thing in the world? Freest thing in the world for some of y'all that used to live like, you know, you used to live in a way that like when a cop's behind you, everything get you. No, we ain't got no heathens in church. I had a cop behind me this morning. I think he is the cop that's working today. Guess what? The only thing I thought about was like, man, is 47 too fast? I'll never forget me and Jonathan, one of our friends, Skyler, he was here not too long ago. I mean, this kid, drugs, any and everything. And I'll never forget when he got a hold of Jesus, he got saved. He became the janitor at our church. And he came to my office one day. He said, Pastor John, I know that I've hit a new level of freedom. I was like, oh, yeah? Why is that? He said, because a cop was behind me this morning, and I felt nothing. I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened in my life. Some of you need to know that today today. I'm not saying temptations go away. I'm not saying that you never struggle again, but I'm saying that breakthrough is for you today. You're not a burden. You pick up your mat and walk, but you have to answer the question, do you want to get well? So heads bowed, eyes closed all over the room. If you're here today and you're like, I, I, I need it. I need breakthrough. There's people already at the altar right now. If you are in need, you need breakthrough. Whatever you've been hiding, whatever you've been battling, don't wait, come to the altar right now. Nobody's looking except me. If anybody else is, they're cheating. Maybe it's on behalf of your family. Maybe it's for something that you've been battling. Maybe it's thoughts that you think about yourself. I'm telling you today, the God of love, his love, his grace, and his mercy. There's someone in the room right now, you're anti-God, and I want you to know that even if you're anti-God in this room, he's still for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much grace and mercy and compassion he has towards you. I just believe that the God of breakthrough is showing up for some people. And if you're in this room today, maybe you've already picked up your mat. You've already began to walk. As the team leads, I know we got our prayer team that's going to be walking around praying for people. If you're walking in freedom, would you just take some time to intercede for the people at the altar this morning? These are people's real struggles, real life, things that they're battling. But then one more thing I want to do, heads bowed, eyes closed in the room. If there's anyone in here today and you've not ever known that Jesus was asking you a question, do you want to get well? I want you to know that you can experience breakthrough and your sin can be forgiven today. You can find new life in Christ. And it won't be easy. 
I'm not about to stand up here and tell you it's going to be easy, but it is going to be the greatest adventure because you already know the things that you've been engaging with and battling with, they don't work. They don't satisfy. You know that. He works. Actually, what's so good about him working is he never stops working. If you're in here today and you need salvation in Jesus and Jesus alone, will you lift your hand in this room? If that's you, yeah, come on, I see you. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. If you just lifted your hand, I want you to take a moment with Jesus right now. You don't need a pastor to pray for you. I want you to take a moment right now to tell Jesus that you want his salvation, that you are surrendering to him. You are turning from the life that you once lived and you turn to him. So Father, we ask for breakthrough in this moment. We thank you for your presence. Only in your presence, God. Only in your presence, God, can we experience breakthrough. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.